with you and clamoring clamoring first time on the air here on free talk live but we've known each other for a long time you've been uh, quite a while yeah Yeah. new hampshire for a long time (laughs) so thanks for sitting in thanks for having me and uh you've been keeping real close touch with uh rich paul who's nobody yes uh one of our hosts who's uh been thrown in the pokey by the (laughs) fbi and uh, well all the lawyers are saying that he hasn't committed a crime at all but that doesn't seem to stop them oh i know ladies and gentlemen this is republican night on free talk live on saturday night when we got all these big stations and that you guys love the fbi oh no the republicans don't love the fbi anymore because of trump oh i'm I'm confused i know i'm confused too (laughs) i never know whether or not we're supposed to support the boys in blue who throw people in jail for no crimes at all. Well, I have my opinions about that, but... Um. <laughs> it's rough being a cop right now. I can tell you lots of them getting shot over the last week. Um, and, um, well, you've got to support guys like Joe Biden if you support the cops, because they are the tip of the spear of the executive uh, branch of the government. So Biden apparently is saying that uh, there's no such thing as an absolute amendment to the Constitution and so I wonder what part of the Constitution is absolute, uh, just out of curiosity. Uh, he's talking about the Second Amendment, doesn't like parts of it. And uh, let's see, going from Reason Magazine here, during a 2019 presidential debate, Joe Biden scolded Kamala Harris, the, his then opponent for the Democratic nomination, for promising to impose gun control by executive fiat instead of through legislation. Let's be constitutional. We've got a Constitution. I like the sound of that. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds good. In, in theory. Yeah, in theory. it sounds good. Today, President Biden and uh, Vice President Harris, frustrated by the legislative branch's failure to approve the new firearms restrictions that they favor, announced six initial actions to address the gun violence uh, public health epidemic. All of the, these actions, they say, will save lives. Now, this is one of the things that bothers me about law enforcement. Law, laws, as we know, are passed through the legislative branch. This is part of the whole word. And um, this is just crap some crazy old kook has said and written down. All right. This is not law, but it will be enforced by people who call themselves law enforcement officers. People have opinions. Yeah. Six initial actions to uh, address gun violence and public health epidemic. All of these actions, they say, will save lives. Now, we don't know that, of course. We don't have science. Uh, you can't do one thing and then do another. Um, but they are fully within the administrative's authority and the Second Amendment. There's sound reasons to question all these claims. Yeah, they're not within the Second Amendment. One of Biden's six initial actions is the nomination of gun control activist David Chipman to head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives. First off... In an amendment to the Constitution, let's see, the fifth, uh, the tenth, and ninth, and tenth say basically everything that's not specifically mentioned in this Constitution is uh, remanded back to the states and the people, respectively. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, since they don't mention the ATF, then how can it even its existence be constitutional? Yeah, I, I, I don't either. <laughs> we just made that up. Let's see. Which um, understandably alarms gun rights supporters by its subject to approval by the Senate. Biden also touts a $5 billion investment over eight years to support community violence inter- 
Reinvention Programs, which is part of the American Jobs Plan and likewise requires congressional approval. And he wants the Justice Department to produce an annual report on firearms trafficking. And we'll things. just print more money for that. Yeah, Don't worry about it. More money. The other three initial actions are legally dubious and seems unlikely that any of them will, in fact, save lives. Pistol arm braces. So once we get in down into the nitty gritty, you know that they've lost everything. So um, let me explain this, Clamoran. Yeah, because that just came across my feed today and I didn't actually like read the head. I just read the headline. Yeah. So tell me about the braces. Within 60 days, Biden says the Justice Department will issue a proposed rule to make clear the addition of a stabilizing brace effectively turns a pistol into a short-barreled rifle subject to the requirements of the National Firearms Act. All right. So if you have a uh, a pistol and you put a uh, little stock on it, you have broken the law and are going to prison, getting buried. They're going to give you a shovel and your new cell will be under the prison, right? Bad, bad, bad. But if that is not a stock, but in fact a brace, no, no, that's no problem at all. So currently they have these little sort of, you know, braced pistols, which it makes it easier to shoot. You get a better, um, you know, get better aim and you hit your target more often that's the point right put holes in paper and um yeah this is these braces but these braces are they have to be designed differently they don't work quite as well as a stock does because a stock is designed to do a thing and a brace is designed to be something else so this is to stabilize for somebody who might have wrist issues now they don't get to diagnose who has wrist issues so anybody can have a brace sounds like i need a friend with a boat (laughs) right (laughs) so yeah that means anyone who owns a pistol with a stabilizing brace, such as a Ruger AR-556, uh, reportedly used by the perpetrator of last month's mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado, would have to register it with the ATF and pay a $200 tax. The gun owners of America, by the way, that it's you wish it was that easy, is to just, I'm just going to register this with the ATF and pay a tax. Well, no, they decide whether or not you can have it, too. And, and just, then they can change their mind, apparently. Yeah, the machine gun tax is only like 500 bucks, if it's that. And um, you just can't get one. That's all. Gun Owners of America warns that the new policy is certain to result in the confiscation, destruction, or coerced registration of millions of AR uh, pistol, AR-15s, and other legally purchased pistols. Do such pistols actually qualify as short-barreled rifles under the National Firearms Act? The ATF has repeatedly said they do not. Yay. That's good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Now, the, yeah. The NFA defines a rifle as a weapon designed or redesigned, made or remade, and intended to be fired from the shoulder. In 2017, the ATF reaffirmed that stabilizing braces are perfectly legal accessories for large handguns or pistols, although an accessory employed as a shoulder stock would make any firearm with a barrel less than 16 inches long an unregistered um, NFA firearm. So Biden's telling the ATF, which is part of the Justice Department, to reverse that position, meaning that any stabilizing brace would qualify as a shoulder stock. Now, I've seen people with um, stabilizing braces on their um, AR-15 pistols, and in fact... It looks and is used very much like a brace, <laughs> you know, um, you know, it's a stock basically, but it looks different. So, you know, whatever the whole thing is, they just sort of make stuff up as they go. But, um, you know, 
What's the difference? It's it's just very nickel and diming yeah. everything. Well, the kind of nickel and dime stuff that didn't show up in prison, though. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, it's for for the cops, nickel and dime stuff. No big deal. Oh, we got him on a technicality. <laughs> Yippee ki yay! But uh, you know, for your average guy out there, and most of these uh, these gun fellas, they're not doing anything and wrong. Gals. Yeah, yeah. And they're, gals. they're all about just putting holes in paper, maybe shooting some trees, having a good old time out there. Nothing good old American stuff. Nothing or, wrong with it. You know, some of us are kind of prepper homesteaders, and we would like to be able to defend our property. And our families. Every once in a while, something comes along that's going to mess with your uh, stuff that you're growing. I know that uh, I had apples, and sometimes mm-hmm. the electric mm-hmm. fence doesn't keep them out. Mm-hmm. And they get real hungry certain types of year, and it's not so great. Let's see. Biden is telling the ATF, which is part of the Justice Department, to reverse that position, meaning that any stabilizing brace would qualify as a shoulder stock, even if the pistol to which it is attached is not intended to be fired from the shoulder. That seems inconsistent with the statutory definition, although not quite inconsistent as the Trump administration's arbitrary determination that rifles equipped with bump stocks qualified as machine guns. Not anymore, by the way. They did take care of that. All this, by the way, from Reason.com. Jacob Solomon reporting. Your thoughts are certainly welcome on this. You like the idea that Biden's changing the gun rules? 603-283-6160. We don't need Congress. 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. any day of the year it's free talk lives live so uh, it's mark with you and clamoring clamoring thanks for sitting in with me you know it's uh it's not as easy to find co-hosts as it used to be <laughs> when the government goes and locks them up turns out all my friends are in jail yeah yeah you've uh, go right ahead and find out all about that by heading on over to the crypto6.com that's the crypto6.com on march 16th 2021 government agencies conspired together and raided the free talk live studio the bitcoin embassy the homes of aria de mezzo renee and andy spinella and colleen fordham and the crypto six were arrested and taken into custody ian freeman and nobody remain in custody what can you do to help Check out the crypto6.com. There are multiple ways in which you can donate uh, to their legal defense fund because their charges aren't a joke. It's just going to take serious legal team and many experts to protect the crypto six from further aggression from the state. This uh, case will likely set precedent that will affect the world of cryptocurrency for decades to come. You can help them fight in their fight for liberty and financial freedom by contributing to the legal defense at the crypto6.com. Once more, the crypto six. Yeah, this is going to be a really, really important case, and I don't think um, people are quite aware of how groundbreaking this is going to be. If they manage to call buying and selling Bitcoin money transmission. I mean, whatever, which whichever direction it goes, it's going to. It's bad. <laughs> it, it's going to have worldwide effect. And my favorite part is, is that, um, of course, we have to come up with tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to, uh, you know, defend ourselves. They've just got the full 
faith and credit of the United States government to, to, to you know, push whatever crackpot legal theory they've got. Mm-hmm. I mean, at this point, the lawyers I've talked to say that the Crypto Six, or at least five of the Crypto Six, have committed no crime. No crime. I, I can't see any crime there, certainly. Yeah. Ian Freeman um, is uh, accused of selling uh, Bitcoin to somebody who said that they were going to buy drugs. Now, I don't believe it for a second. I've I don't either. There. I know Ian. I, I, he wouldn't do that. Yeah, I've been there when um, he turn, turned people down. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that they, they have yet to produce any evidence. So anyway, let's go on with this story here where Joe Biden says he doesn't care about the law either. Biden, what Biden does want the ATF to reinterpret the NFA, National Firearms Act, in this way. Why does he want them to do that? Because pistol arm braces can make a firearm more stable and accurate while still being concealable. That improvement in stability and accuracy, he believes, makes such weapons especially appealing to mass shooters. Now, wait, so an, shooters. an AR-15 is concealable? You could conceal an AR I mean, pistol, sure. I don't know. I wear dresses usually, so <laughs> it's harder. Never mind that mass shooters actually favor ordinary handguns, or absolutely, or that mass shootings account for less than 1% of gum homicides, or that the absence of stabilizing braces, like the absence of the military-style features targeted by proposed federal assault weapons bans that uh, Joe Biden supports, cannot reasonably ex- be expected to have any noticeable impact on the frequency or lethality of such crimes. For Biden, the fact that the bolder shooter used a pistol with a stabilizing brace is enough to make such accessories intolerable. And this is the thing. This is that they wait for an opportunity. They say, okay, it happened. Um, because that shooting out in Vegas uh, a couple of years ago or whatever, the guy did use a bump stock. You know, he, um, he could have, you didn't need a bump stock. You can just make an AR rock back and forth in your hands and do the same thing with a, as a bump, bump stock does. This just reminds me of my time in like the corporate world where some mistake is made or something and management, quote unquote, has to do something about it. Yeah. You know, which is, of course... <laughs> ridiculous so um let's see let's go on to gun kits within 30 days biden says the justice department will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of ghost guns the government has hated this they want every gun accounted for he's referring to kits containing nearly all of the components and directions for finishing a firearm within as little as 30 minutes, and using these firearms to commit crimes. Mark McDonald um, explained how this works and why it's perfectly legal in a 2018 Reason tutorial. Uh, This, by the way, article from Reason magazine. Restricting or banning 80% gun kits without new legislation would require some more creative reinterpretation of federal law, changing the definition of firearm to include parts that currently do not qualify. And this is the the thing about this is that, I mean, these are just gun parts. None of these things kill people. You have to put them together, and this is a way for a person and have ill intent. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. And it, I mean, any anybody who mm-hmm. wants to have an AR-15 can do it a little cheaper with one of these eighty percent kits. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, we 
I love the uh, the old uh, Joe Biden. Just get it. Come on, ladies, just get a double barreled shotgun. And then all the pictures of the ladies firing double barreled shotguns and falling on their butts. And then ladies fire and then uh, video of ladies firing ARs and how easy it is for women to protect themselves and their homes and their families. And how about you just stay out of my business? That's right. Like, let me choose my own defense mechanism. I want to see these kits treated as firearms, Biden says. He wants to treat a kit that it could not shoot as a firearm. What is the point of this exercise in executive branch lawmaking? When these uh, firearms turn up at crime scenes, Biden says, they often cannot be traced by law enforcement due to a lack of a serial number. If they've shown up at the crime scene, what difference does it make where they came from? What difference does it make? I mean, do we have to know they all came through the Mexican cartels that Obama supplied years ago? He does not say how often that happens or explain the chain of logic between forcing criminals to use guns with serial numbers and preventing them from killing people in the first place. Presumably the idea is is that eliminating the option of homemade guns would raise homicide clearance rates enough to enhance uh, deterrence and save lives. But that's just an assumption. I mean, come on, we all watch CSI and um, (laughs) other murder shows. Like, the serial numbers don't matter at all. Yeah, they don't. And um, the things you see on CSI aren't real cop work anyway. Well, no, I watch a lot of true crime stuff, but (laughs) I was just throwing that out there. (laughs) Whether or not you buy that, eliminating the option of homemade guns is simply not possible. As J.D. Thussell notes, uh, the problem with imposing legal restrictions intended to stop a practice that is designed to evade legal restrictions is that you were outflanked before you ever started. If the Biden administration actually succeeded in unilaterally restricting or banning 80% kits, hobbyists might have to take a few more steps or invest invest in a 3D printer. And that's exactly right. Once you outlaw 80% lowers, then you got 70% lowers. I mean, people are already doing that, but... Yeah, just that fast. 3D printed guns. They've already shown that... Well, I can't remember what... what uh, defense Distributed can... It's just speech. They can put out whatever they need to put out as far as kits on how to 3D print guns. Just a bunch of... Just a bunch of bureaucrats talking. 603-283-6160. You happy with geriatric Jesus yet? Orange Hitler's gone. 603-283-6160. Everyone has a different war. For some, in the UN peacekeeping mission to Grenya, the struggle is just to survive. For others, it's to remain sane. For the rebels of the freehold of Grenya, their war is for their very way of life. They'll do everything and anything to stop this invasion. And they mean to make the enemy suffer. Because physical wounds heal. Freehold. Defiance. A collection of hard-hitting tales gathered by series creator Michael Z. Williamson and BaneBooks.com. Free Talk Live. It's Mark with you. And clamoring. And you can call in and talk about whatever you want to talk about. We got a couple of people on the line here, but I think we'll go right to nobody who is uh one of our co-hosts who's sitting off of the Miramec County Jail. Nobody, you're on Free Talk Live. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Can you hear me now? Yeah, well, it's it's a little echoey, but uh, we'll do our best. Groovy, groovy. 
Um, yeah, I'm just calling in first. I wanted to say, hey, baby, to uh, Tenson. Hi and, there. Uh, <laughs> and secondly, I wanted to uh, thank the people who are apparently out protesting at the jail today. I saw ANCAP flags marching up and down the road. Yeah, it's nice to be supported. That's for sure. Yeah. Were you guys aware of that? No. No. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was aware. There's a, a number of um, events going on this weekend in support of uh, nice. uh, Crypto Six. Excellent. And you can find out more at thecrypto6.com if you need to check that out. So, what's going on there? Nobody. Well, I'm I'm in jail, yep. and uh, so you know, mostly hungry, angry, lonely, and tired. But uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what, I got. Um, I'm, I've heard from two attorneys in the last couple of days, uh, which is nice. Um, I heard from my new court-appointed attorney, who actually strikes me as he's not a crypto expert, but he seems like he's good people, um, whereas the last guy I was never, uh, I was never that comfortable with. This guy seems cool. Then another person, uh, I don't know if she wants to be named, but uh, she uh, called me, and uh, she's an investigator, and her husband is an attorney, and uh, they are very crypto-savvy, apparently, and and they're interested in the, in the case, and I think I may, because I'm not sure what my representation system uh, situation is now, but um, I may ask them to to support me in several lawsuits that I want to file against the jail because you know that's the best thing you can do if you're in jail is sue the hell out of the jail. Do they want to get rid of you? Um, is that the idea? Yeah, and uh, let's see. Beyond that, the uh, I believe the goal is that the first edition of the Church of the Invisible Hand. Uh, newsletter will be going out on Monday, and it will be going out. I've got a flock of uh, six members in here, uh, give or take. Of and you do. Uh, <laughs> there's going to be some, uh, you know, some stuff that I wrote, and hopefully some stuff that other people wrote. And uh, this will be a way that, because we're all pre-trial here, uh, this will be an opportunity for people. Uh, to catch up with people and as these people fan out through the federal prison system, assuming that, you know, those that are convicted and sentenced, as they fan out through the federal prison system, this will allow us to uh, push a religious revival through the system. And uh, I've been always uh, curious about the uh, incarceration of people who are to be presumed innocent. I mean, our court system asks a great deal of sort of dichotomous thinking from us. On one hand, you are to believe that a person being held in jail is clearly a flight risk, which um, you're you're not, and a danger to society, which you're not. Um, But that that they are innocent until proven guilty all at the same time. What kind of nonsense is that? And it's a weird presumption, too, because even talking about my friends who are not in this community about this case, they're kind of like, well, what did they do? Right. That's the first thing to say. And, uh, you know, if you read any of the articles, it all sounds like it's open and shut because the government put out a memo and the reporters 
wrote their articles based on the memo the government put out. Yeah, and one of the reasons I fired my attorney is that reporters were trying to talk to me, and he wouldn't let them through. And it's like, I want to talk to reporters. I don't have anything to hide. I haven't done anything wrong. Well, don't go down the nothing to hide fallacy route. <laughs> oh, there's, everybody's got something to hide. The fact is is that uh, it's none of their business. We've That's... all committed crimes, and we don't even know them. <laughs> As I've said, as I said to my last attorney, I understand that in your business nobody tells the truth, but you got to understand, I'm nobody, <laughs> and nobody tells the truth. <laughs> um, so that is, uh, I guess, that's in a nutshell what's going on. I wanted to thank the protesters for being uh, for being out there, and uh, and uh, we'll make sure know, the message gets there. out. Lots of people trying to help the Crypto 6, absolutely, at thecrypto6.com. Rich Paul, um, excuse me, nobody. I'll never get it. I'll never get used to your new name. <laughs> it's okay to, uh, there's actually an article that will be coming out called My Three Names. There's nothing wrong with calling me Rich Paul if you're a friend, but if you claim authority over me without my consent, you can call me nobody and nothing else because that's my slave name. <laughs> what, um... <laughs> What's the third name? Uh, the third name is Pope Indigent. That's Pope, my papal name. Pope Indigent the first. <laughs> well, people That's can right. take care of that at thecrypto6.com and uh, hopefully get a uh, little money going for your legal defense fund. And do we know the new Pope's name yet? Uh, it, he, it remains Pope to be announced. Oh, Pope to be announced. Okay. Pope to be announced of the... Uh, Church of the Invisible Hand, correct? Yep, it's true. He's uh, he's picking slow, but he'll pick. All right. Well, nobody. Thanks for having me. If that's that, then I'm going to let you go. Thanks for the call. Nobody's managed to uh, actually make these calls without doing them collect, which is so much easier than real life. Our community has been very uh, good about making sure that um, his commissary is topped off so that he can make calls like this indeed and uh it used to be the commissary was just you know candy bars and uh and (laughs) and cocoa mix but uh not so much these days now you've got uh i mean these phone calls are basically very expensive two three four dollars a call i mean they make the old style uh collect calls look cheap Mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it they got a captive audience in as Captive as a captive audience can be. Like, literally <laughs> yes. captive. And there's no way to, you know, fix it. So you just got to kind of live with it. And uh, the, the thing that worries me the most is, is it is very, very difficult for a person who is being detained to actually mount a real defense. It's not easy at well, all. I was, I was really worried that he was going to try to do it completely by himself. Um, for a little while there, but uh, so I'm really glad that he's got counsel now and is on that path. Well, this coming week he'll have uh, um, counsel that specializes in mm-hmm. crypto, mm-hmm. also. Um, so you know, it's gonna. It takes a little while to get these things put together, but they do get put together slow but sure. And um, it's it, just such a monumental case. Like, yeah, it's so important that like this case is so monumentally important. 
I think that these attorneys, the actual cryptocurrency attorneys, when they step in, is is that they're just going to get most of these charges dropped because um, most of them claim just by looking at it that this isn't money transmission. Mm-hmm. And um, then what? Uh, here's what I want to know. Is I this- don't agree with I don't agree with your um, optimism that it's going to automatically get dropped. I think that there are higher powers involved here that have an invested interest in seeing which way this goes that's true and there's certainly banks that are trying banks the banks and the uh, the fbi is just their lapdog you know um the banks definitely want it so that people can't just buy and sell cryptocurrency but the laws are not on their side um they, they i agree with you new there. ones i agree with the current you ones aren't <laughs> and so we'll see how it all goes uh, but i i don't know i mean it's uh, it certainly can be demoralizing for anybody who's uh, caught up in it and uh, the Crypto 6 certainly are. TheCrypto6.com. The number here is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Here on Free Talk Live. Call in and talk about whatever's on your mind. We're talking about this uh, situation where Joe Biden is uh, apparently just issuing some executive orders surrounding um, how you your guns are allowed to look. But uh, let's go to the phones. We've got Jerome calling in from South Carolina. Jerome, you're on Free Talk Live. Marky Mark, what up, man? Well, it's nice to be free. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, but you you sound so deadpan. You make me laugh when you say stuff like that. <laughs> you know? Okay. It's better than being locked up in jail like uh, nobody. <laughs> Here we go again with the jail jokes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> hey, I just want to know something, man. Tell me. Marky Mark, explain something to me, okay? I'm listening. When is the scumbag Egg Nelson, the scumbag ambulance chaser, two-faced... Uh, can't even ask questions on uh, the witnesses with a straight face, okay? Trying to prove that George Floyd killed himself, oh. not Eric, Derek Chauvin's knee on his neck, okay, mm. for almost nine minutes. That didn't kill him. He died of a drug overdose mm. because he had heart trouble and, and, and blocked arteries, okay? Yeah. Where is he going to put the scumbag cop who's taking notes on the other three scumbag cops that watched him murder this man in cold blood over 20 damn dollars. Where is he going to put their ass on the wooden stand and let them answer some questions? Because he's drilling the living hell out of, out of the doctors. There's like three, four doctors all of them said, hey, this was a homicide, okay? This was a homicide. Well, you got sad. the police, you say, we didn't teach him to do this, okay? You got people that deal with this kind of work in the police department. We don't teach this. Okay. Yep. The we don't teach that, this. Yeah. Where's he gonna put the scumbag cop that, that caused all this on the witness stand and let's let's see him tap dance 
when he gets uh, questioned by the prosecution. Well, everybody's got to make their own decision as to how they're going to run their defense case. Um, it's uh, often a bad idea to put the, uh, um, yeah, the defendant when they're guilty. When they get, it's a bad idea. When they're innocent, it's a good idea. But when when you got tape like that, hey, don't believe what that tape says to show you. Okay, that's not that's not real. Believe what the scumbag Egg Nelson says to you. Because if you get him off, if he get, if he walks out of this, okay. Eric Nelson's going to burn in hell. Them four <laughs> cops, they're going to burn. They're going to burn in hell. Then they're going to rot in hell. Okay? If, if that jury if I had to make can my watch that damn tape and yeah. let that let them scumbags off of this, okay? This is, hey, this is just as bad or worse than what they did to Rodney King. And the all-white jury said, oh, no, they didn't do anything wrong. This isn't an all-white okay? jury, though, is it? Look, you think I don't trust nobody on a jury these days. I no. I tend not That's to how either. I feel. Um but for <laughs> probably for a variety of different reasons. Um I, look, it's this case has gotten so much coverage. It te- seem, seems unlikely to me that they're going to be able to just sort of come, come in and say, "Nah, don't worry, the cops they, they do this stuff all the time." I, I think Hey, George Zimmerman down. got away with murder. Zimmerman. Casey Anthony got away with murder. She murdered her own child and she got away with it. She blamed her her father, okay? And she I, got away with murder. I totally agree with you that it is completely 100% wrong, but I think we can all just call a spade a spade and recognize that um, cops are kind of above the law a little bit. Yeah, they seem to be... Uh, Why? Why no, is it? How not, is it that I'm people can enforce the way. law? I'm Let me tell you something. I, I got investigated a couple of years ago because I was accused of abusing my mom, all right? Okay. But I, I walked into the hospital to see my mom because they took me like three, I took her to the hospital three times to get her some help because she had pneumonia, okay? I, the third time I took her there, I begged them to put her in the hospital. I said, if you put her in here, I'm going to take her across the street. They finally gave in and they put her in the hospital. I walked into her room about four or five o'clock that afternoon. It was a Sunday afternoon, okay? I walked into her room, and my mom suffers with dementia, and she just like, she's going off on me. And I told the guy, a white guy walked into the room, says, I, he, said, he says, you're disturbing the patient. I said, my mom's got dementia. He said, I don't care. I'll throw you out of here. And they threw me out, and the next thing you know, I got a cop on my doorstep investigating me for abuse. Mm. Okay? They didn't find anything. They kept her in the hospital for a month. And so when they came, to, when they brought her home and they came to talk to me, they said, oh, well, she's confused and she's paranoid. I said, what the hell you think I've been telling you when you put her in there? <laughs> you know, it's like everybody walks in the room, she yells at them. So <laughs> they don't And there was a white else. guy and they threw me out and they threw me, he said, I'll throw you out here. Look, look, let me tell you something, man. I'm 64 damn years old, all right? I've lived in four, I lived in a foreign country for a year. I travel all over the place for nine years being in the airport. I've never been thrown out of anywhere before. Never. That's it's the first time that I've had. And as I walked out the door, my, my exact words to him were, you know what I said to him? You always throwing me out here because I'm black. You know what he said to me? I got black in my family. He's a damn liar. No. And I never saw that guy ever again. Turns out we all do. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for calling, Jerome. <laughs> Appreciate the call. Yeah, it's uh, I 
Well, he called in about these uh, these guys in the uh, George Floyd situation and. And just like you and I were talking about, an I, don't, I don't see a like, defense for the defense for those cops. Honestly, it, it's kind of guilty until proven innocent. Yeah. situation right now. Well, I when police have to deal with a corrupt judicial system, I don't feel bad for them. I mean, they've ran too many people through it. And they have all. I the, don't ever feel bad for cops <laughs> personally, but they have all the 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 you know the the training and everything to be ready to deal with the judicial system. So if the judicial system ever works as it's intended to, you remember the old axiom: it's better that nine guilty men go free than one guilty person uh, be convicted, yeah. or whatever the terminology is. Um, if if it ever works like that, it works like that with cops. And but like cops and the legal system and lawyers and judges and stuff like that, like they, th- those are different systems, really. I mean, I, I know it falls all under the same umbrella, sure. but. Yeah, that's uh, the judicial system's different than the um, executive branch, but yeah, they certainly work together. And um, when the prosecutor, who's part of the executive branch, decides that they don't want to see. Uh, bail conditions for uh, an individual, they tend to get what they want. Um, it's definitely eh, you don't see the prosecution get uh, scolded too often. No, in these systems, um, and they're always the the less educated of the lawyers out there. Um, but you know that seems to be the way it goes. Let's go on with this uh, article from Reason Magazine about uh, Biden setting up new rules here. If Biden administration actually succeeded in unilaterally restricting or banning eighty percent uh, kits, these are guns that uh, you can make a you can make a you can make a gun with an eighty percent kit. Hobbyists might have to take a few more steps or invest in a three D printer, but there's no practical way to prevent them from making their own guns if they're determined to do so. Placing tighter restrictions on eighty percent receivers and other uh, precursors parts for firearms is equivalent to the old Soviet regime trying to shut down the Sazmat Dat underground press by regulating copiers. It was an inconvenience, but the uh, publishing network worked around the restrictions. Can we put a pin in that for just a second? Sure. Because I think maybe some listeners don't really understand what eighty. 80- Eighty percent, yeah, means eight, yeah, an eighty percent lower is like a uh, block of aluminum, right? That you take a drill press and put a few holes in, right? And then um, maybe a tap and die kit or something like that, and then suddenly you've got a gun. And well, it, not suddenly. Yeah, it can take. You can do it as fast as thirty minutes. It usually I, takes a couple hours. I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't believe say, thirty minutes. I want to see a video of that. Somebody who's done a minutes. bunch of them, <laughs> you know, can really plow through them. But yeah. There's, uh, you know, I mean, there's some drilling involved and these kind of things. I personally don't want all those little slivers of metal in my, uh, you know, work area. I don't like it. I mean, I'm a crafter myself. So when I got uh, my kit, I was like, I've got all the tiny tools. (laughs) (laughs) So you have made an 80 percent? I have not done the 80 percent, but I built my own weapons. Okay. Excellent. Very good. Well, we'll go on with this. And you can call in 603-283-6160, 603-283-6160 here on Free Talk Live. You know, I don't want to give the cops all the trouble out there. I know there's plenty of good guys and gals who are doing work um, and law enforcement and stuff like that. But I got to say, it's hard to like cops today. 
Carl Watner, longtime proponent of a voluntary society, died last December. You may have seen his articles published on his website, Voluntarius.com, in his newsletter, The Voluntarist, The Mises Institute, or elsewhere over the last 40 years. His newest book, I Must Speak Out, Volume 2, The Best of the Voluntarist, is now available via Liberty Under Attack Publications. This 430-page second volume spans the years of 2000 through 2020 and includes articles by Carl Watner, Hans Hermann Hoppe, Carl Hess, Benjamin Tucker, George H. Smith, Lysander Spooner, Pete Ayer, Joyce Brand, and many others. I Must Speak Out is for the newly initiated, the veteran voluntarist, or anywhere in between. Buy the book now at libertyunderattack.com slash voluntarist. For more great content on building a voluntary society and for Carl's extensive archives, check out voluntarist.com. Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Let's kick it off the second hour. It's Saturday night. 603 283 6160. It's 603 283. 6160. It's Mark with you. And clamoring. You can call in and talk about whatever's on your mind. We're talking about Joe Biden and uh, just making laws up. Doesn't like guns, I guess. And uh, You guess. Yeah. Pretty, making it pretty <laughs> obvious for folks. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go to the phones. I believe we have Wilcom here. Wilcom, you're on Free Talk Live. No, this isn't welcome. This is Pat from Northern Michigan. Pat, hold the line, if you would, please. Sorry about that. Got the wrong button. That's what you get when you get a two-bit uh, talk show host. Welcome. <laughs> you're on Free Talk Live. Welcome. Can you hear me now? Well, Welcome wanted to talk about uh, libertarians and their thoughts about on security issues. Oh. And uh, Hello? Hello. Can you hear me? <laughs> Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. What's on your mind? Yeah. So uh, my biggest inquiry, I guess, uh, on your libertarian views on uh, security, uh, how do you prevent uh, just... LRN.FM. That's not how it works. Flush flush that one. That's why we need cops, is because people just come on the radio and use the F-bomb. Just drop it right there. Okay. Um, he did bring up an important issue, though, and I will um, you know, get right to it. First off, is all you have to do is go online and search libertarian solutions for policing, and you will find lots of them. But I think that probably a first thing you uh, that we should do is, is uh, look at qualified immunity. So that's a good one. That is definitely a good one. When um, people are responsible for their actions, they tend to act responsibly. When people are not responsible for their actions, they tend to act irresponsibly. Mm -hmm. That's not cops. That's Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. But cops are people. And so they'll act that way. Um, But also you have to look at the drug war. Most of the crimes in America, most of the people who are incarcerated, uh, most of everything comes back to this war on drugs. And look, I get it. 
Maybe you don't want people shooting heroin up in an alley someplace or something like that. But I don't have a problem with that personally. Well, if, if they're not hurting someone else. If it's their alley. If they're not hurting someone else. <laughs> right. If, yeah, if, okay, maybe not in a public place. Fine. Right. It's uh, you know, basically if you're the the concepts behind libertarianism is, is that if you're not harming another person, then you're free to do with your body as you wish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people always bring up heroin vending machines. And, you know, it's probably not a good idea to do heroin, ladies and gentlemen. But everybody can choose for themselves, But there was is also, my opinion. There was also a time you could buy heroin from the Sears catalog. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah um, you know, opiates were available for a long time. Heroin's mm -hmm. just another, mm -hmm. you know, first it was laudanum and, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. All kinds of different things out there. Um, again, I'm not uh, advocating for heroin use. I'm simply saying that adults should be able to decide how they're going to live their lives. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to tell them they can't drink, mm -hmm. even though, you know, may not be the choices I make with my life. I'm not going to tell them this. I'm not going to tell them that. That's their business. They're adults. That's why we call them that. And... That reminds me of that salt and pepper song, None of Your Business. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. And so, yeah, uh, that's basically what I say when it comes to law enforcement is, is that law enforcement's necessary. You know, we need to have people who uh, enforce the rules of our society. People, I, I agree with you. There, there, needs, there need to be rules, but maybe not enforced by the federal government. <laughs> federal government uh i mean the, the united states federal government was invented long before police forces were so the idea that uh you know the police yeah. isn't even in the constitution yeah but the federal government at the time was like yeah right it's tiny little <laughs> 30 thing. square miles or something right. yeah, tiny little thing right police uh the word police does not enter into the constitution of the united states of america so think on that as you talk about constitutions let's go to pat in michigan pat you're on free talk live yeah good evening What's on your mind, I'd, I'd like to mention how the uh, the media likes to bury choice tidbits of news that uh, they should be apprising us of, and they don't. Mm. I fall asleep quite often with the radio on. Okay. And when a f story first breaks, at like 6 o'clock in the morning, you'll get an almost honest version of what actually happened. <laughs> okay. And then some media jerk comes in and fine-tunes it. Okay. You know? Okay, so this is George Floyd, the cop that killed him. He's yeah. already been dismissed from three different police forces for abuse. That cop? Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, there, if, if, if Obama's all fired up or oh, Biden is all fired up with this executive fiat business, that's what he ought to pass is something where a cop's record follows him just like a criminal's record follows him. Yeah, that would be a good idea, actually. Um, that would be awesome. Accountability. Talk about taking out the trash. Indeed. It's a good idea. Why not? I mean, you know, I got a record from when I was 17 years old that I just can't do nothing about. And it, I'm now 50. Yeah. And but you're not yeah, a cop. Aren't you? You're not a cop. So That's right. <laughs> Maybe I could get hired at a police force someplace and then I just get all my rights back. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, no, they're never actually committed of a crime. Yeah. They're just dismissed. Indeed. It's, just, it, it's dirtier than the Catholic Church. At least we try to save people. <laughs> there you go. Appreciate it. All right. Peace out, guys. Yep, bye. Not a bad idea. Speaking of accountability, should I bring up uh, Brock Turner at this point? <laughs> Brock Turner. What? I remember his name. What's it from? Who is he? What's He's he the, um, uh, I want to say high schooler, but he was really a college student who 
uh, sexually assaulted a young lady. Okay, been some time. I remember that's the guy who didn't get much for sentencing, and then yeah, even then though the there was a lot of yeah. a lot of proof, yeah. he got six months. Yeah, wow. so yeah, there you go. It uh, the legal system doesn't always work out the way we expect it to. Honestly, six months is a long time in jail, but. The thing is, is that we are so used to people getting 10 years, 20 years, 30 years for different things. And and we want to go back to our crypto six, right? Right, like, right. Uh, <laughs> who have done nothing wrong. Right. It's, it's quite possible that uh, Ian Freeman will sit six months in jail before he ever gets a uh, bail hearing. Right. And, um, you know, then you'll... <laughs> How can you say that's not a punishment for a guy who hasn't commit, done anything wrong yet, hasn't been convicted of anything? Let's go to uh, back to the story here on Reason Magazine regarding red flag laws. Within 60 days, Biden says, the Justice Department will publish model red flag legislation for states. Such, as law, such laws are plagued by due process deficiencies and often strip people of their Second Amendment rights based on little more than bare allegations that they pose a threat to themselves or others. This is such a... Uh, thorny issue these red flag laws so on one hand um the constitution of the united states of america says the right to keep and bear arms shall not be in french it's clear yeah it's clear it's as clear as it needs to be on the other hand you're like well it seems like a really bad idea if somebody's like walking around talking to themselves and you know like chewing on the their hand and and uh you know talking about violence that's why we need like non- law enforcement professionals interfering with mental health issues. Indeed. So if someone is having a mental health crisis, then there should be volunteers in the community to, you know, talk to those people and talk them down, you know, uh, <clears throat> yeah, and just um, go that direction instead of like calling in people who are not trained in mental health issues. So I, I think I my opinion is that a lot of these um, crises could be averted by people who are trained in mental health problems. I tend to think the mental health professionals going in and having a chat is probably because usually a crazy person isn't worried about their gun rights. Yeah. <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're not worried about being stripped of their gun rights or anything like that. And it's a good idea to get their guns from them. But um, yes, I, I would I would agree. But it seems to be the number one thing that people start thinking about, and then they want legally to take it away, and, and that gets really thorny. The number six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Do you have solutions on crazy people with guns? Six zero three two eight three six one six. Throughout most of this FBI uh, raid on Free Talk Live Studios, well, when was the date? I didn't have to look it up, but it was uh, mid-March, uh, March the 16th. 16th, yep. As through, through it all, we've managed to do a radio program, or excuse me, I should say a program every night. 
There were a few nights. There was a night that we were taken off the air completely by the ham-fisted knuckle draggers at the. Uh, yeah, but the community really came together, and yeah. we did a YouTube slash. Yep. Uh, was it Facebook? I can't remember. There was but a YouTube Facebook stream, YouTube stream. Yep. There was all kinds of stuff going on, <laughs> and we did manage to do a show, and. It, it just it stuns me that we're able to do it. There were some there were some episodes that there was a lot of static on, and that was because we had some wires. They just pulled wires out of the back of the machines here, and when you don't know where they go, it gets kind of tough. Well, when they come into your house with military equipment and fly drones in and arrest everybody that lives there, I mean, it, it takes a little while to put everything back together. Yeah, it does. Let me tell you about LibertyStickers.com. If you want to reach people with the ideas of liberty, you can do it from the back of your car with LibertyStickers.com. You can reach thousands of people with a bumper sticker, and you know people love to read them. Check out the vast selection of witty, poignant, pithy, and downright bombastic liberty-oriented messages at LibertyStickers.com. That's LibertyStickers.com. And uh, so Biden's talking about red flag loss. And for those that don't know what that means, that means that... If somebody says somebody is kooky and that that person has guns, they're going to try to take the guns away from that kooky person. So, Like somebody I don't like. Yes. Maybe I could make a report or something. That's basically how it goes. Perhaps Biden's model legislation will address uh, that problem recommending robust safeguards for gun owners who might be wrongly deemed dangerous. But I'm not optimistic, says Reason Magazine here. The author, uh, Jacob since he wants to let family members as well as law enforcement petition courts for gun confiscation orders. That policy eliminates a layer of protection by letting a long list of possibly biased and aggrieved relatives file petitions directly without having their complaints vetted by police or prosecutors. Probably makes it easier to uh, take somebody off the list of uh, people who are going to inherit money if they've been considered crazy and had their guns taken from them. All these good things. And families are can be so awful. <laughs> well, and it goes it, it goes back to our kind of theme for the night of not having to prove your innocence, like you're assumed guilty. So yeah. if there's a report, people presume you're guilty. Right. Somebody said it was true. So there you go. Um, Biden tries to uh, preempt criticism of his plans by redundantly asserting that he's responding to. Gun violence, public health epidemic. Violent crime, he says, is actually a public health crisis. Democrats have for years described gun violence as an epidemic, even when homicides committed with firearms are falling. And news outlets such as the New York Times routinely uh, echo that language. Since major cities saw big spikes in homicide last year, you might say they um, that reality finally caught up with Democratic rhetoric. But the epidemic label is still misleading in a couple of ways. First, it implies that gun violence is uh, is analogous to a deadly microbe that spreads from person to person without conscious Wait, are we talking about epidemic or pandemic? (laughs) Right. It's a demic. Just a demic. (laughs) We like that word demic. It sounds good. When in fact it results from deliberate decisions to commit criminal acts. It's not some kind of microbe. It's people. Making choices. That analogy shifts the focus from targeted policies that might change the incentives underlying those acts to broad restrictions that impinge on the rights of many peaceful, law-abiding people. 
Second, Biden's public health rhetoric applies a quasi-medical pseudoscientific veneer to policies that should be critically examined on their merits. It implies that contentious measures are beyond serious debate because public health experts know how to control epidemics and their wisdom should not be questioned. In Biden's view, protecting public health requires an arbitrary federal ban on assault weapons and magazines that hold more than 10 rounds. Expanded background checks for gun buyers aimed at enforcing absurdly broad rules that deny millions of harmless people the right to armed self-defense. Red flag. Um, We'll go on with that in just one second, but I want to address that issue for a second. So I'm a convicted felon. Have been since I was 17 years old. And I can't have a gun to protect my family. Now... Depending on your state, sometimes your family member can, but sometimes they can't, depending on what the state's rules are and and that sort of thing. But that's really sort of ridiculous because you know, ladies and gentlemen, that I can go out and get a gun tonight if I need to get one. Of course. So now we know the old saying that says, if you outlaw guns, only outlaws have guns. Well, it's true that if you outlaw felons having guns, then only outlaw felons have guns. I don't have a gun at my house. I mean, all of it's ridiculous, in my opinion. And ultimately, the reason I don't have a gun at my house is because somebody outlawed it. Not because I'm going to commit a crime tonight. No, because you're you're um, uh, basically under duress not to own a gun in your house. That's right. And that's the that's the situation. So, you know, my... My family, obviously, you don't expect my 13-year-old kid to defend the household, do you? Do you expect my wife to get out there with a uh, shotgun on the front lawn and, uh, you know, stop marauders or whatever? This is what it, these are what the laws result in. I get it. You don't want felons. It sounds like felons having a bad guns is a bad idea. And it's easy to go after the felons. First, they came for the felons. And I wasn't a felon, so I said nothing. Well, if um, S-H-T-F... You, yes, give if, me your call. Yeah, right. If things hit the <laughs> I'll fan, be over. <laughs> red flags ha- laws have a similar effect on a smaller scale and repeal of a federal law that uh, protects gun suppliers from potentially ruinous liability for crimes committed with their products. Just as politicians cited the threat posed by COVID-19 to justify sweeping restrictions on millions of Americans, whether or not they actually were infected by the coronavirus, Biden is citing the threat posed by violent crime to justify population-wide interventions that affect millions of Americans, whether or not they pose any sort of danger to public safety. Wait, so back up just a second. Um, are you saying that the new proposed laws are insinuating once again that gun manufacturers might be held responsible for... Democrats have salivated over this notion for a very long time. Mm. And um, these aren't, by the way, proposed laws. These are exe- This is executive fiat. They can try to do that all they want. Um, maybe they'll be successful. And maybe these, you know, these gun stores and gun manufacturers will have to defend themselves again. And that's what it comes down to. We don't want to hold people responsible for their own actions. It's a lot easier to go after people with deep pockets. That's what they want to do. Soon, you'll have no responsibility as long as you have no money. But when you have money, then you'll have all the responsibility. Just print more. That's right. Well, the government always becomes rapacious as it's dying. Just look through history. The number 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live, 603-283-6160. 
Look, I'm sorry, but you're in for a world of pain if you use Coinomi. The reason is their wallet doesn't support payments. The solution is simple. Let them hear your voice. Message Coinomi on Twitter. It takes five seconds and tell them AnyPay sent you because they're on the fence right now. And your voice will prove that people care about using Bitcoin for payments. Go tweet at Coinomi now or even better, leave a review in the app store. They really pay attention there. Thanks. Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. The number 603-283-6160. It's 603-283-6160. It's Mark with you. And clamoring. Indeed. Thank you for sitting in with me, clamoring. Thanks for having me. Yep. Another, we made it for an exciting Saturday night here on Free Talk Live. <laughs> and like I've said, if it's between 7 p.m. and 10 p.m. Eastern Time, we are producing a show here on Free Talk Live in all likelihood. So, we just finished a story there where Joe Biden's basically yeah, sick and tired of Congress taking too long to uh, stomp on Americans' Second Amendment rights which shall not be infringed, mind you. Um, he just just took an oath to that Constitution. For varying definitions. <laughs> Shows you what oaths are worth when politicians take them. But um, now there's a story coming out of, uh, uh, this is UVA, University of, um, UVA, is that University of Virginia? I'm not sure. Anyway, a medical student questioned microaggressions. UVA branded him a threat and banished him from campus. Keenan Kiernan Bacharya, a student at the University of Virginia, UVA, uh, School of Medicine, on October the 25th, 2018. It's been a long time, I know, but court cases take a while. He attended a panel discussion on the subject of microaggressions. Do you know what microaggressions are, Clamoring? I do. Yeah. Tell me about them. <clears throat> so that's basically... Um, a passive aggressive way of telling somebody that you don't like them. I, I, you know, perhaps, but I've heard things as uh, simple as trying to figure out, you know, somebody's got kind of darker skin and slanty eyes, and um, you're like, Where are you from? Boston. Hmm. Like, you want to say anything more about that? Yeah, that would. That would That'd be a microaggression, right? That would be a microaggression. Wanting to know sure. more than what they want to say for whatever reason is a microaggression. Now, um, it could just be curiosity. Well, I, I think anybody can ask any question and anybody can answer whatever question in whatever way that they deem appropriate. But they still call those questions microaggressions if you continue to ask a question that... I mean, you like, can phrase a question in like kind of an assuming way. Mm -hmm. So... Where your people come from? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I mean, you know, like the thing is, is that I have in the past wanted to know, I wonder what the ethnicity of that person is. But you just don't say that question. Right. That's rude. You just don't say it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just rude. So what do you do with that? Well, sometimes you find out later. Sometimes you don't. I think it's really the answer. But yeah. besides that, that's to me calling that an aggression. You know, like that's it, it's it's a little it's a rude statement. That's what it is. Well, I, I think. We need to talk about, like, if you're talking about the circumstances in, like, a school situation, uh -huh. 
like, why are we talking about this? Well, like, let's go on, um, and I'll, I'll tell you the situation. Okay. Within a few words, a few weeks, the result of the fallout, excuse me, uh, dissatisfied with the definition of a microaggression offered by the presenter, Beverly Cowell Adams, an assistant dean, Bhattacharya raised his hand. Within a few weeks, as a result of the fallout from Bhattacharya's question about microaggressions, the administration had branded him a threat to the university and banned him from campus. He's now suing UVA for violating his First Amendment rights, and the judge ruled recently that his uh, suit should proceed. Here's what the student said. Thank you for your presentation. That's nice. I mean, this is a good way to start. <laughs> it is a good start. <laughs> said Bhattachara, according to an audio recording of the event. I had a few questions just to clarify your definition of microaggressions. Because this is really important. You can't just say a word, microaggressions, and not have definitions. And and assume everybody means the same thing that you do. Yeah. Mike, uh, I had a few questions just to clarify your definition of microaggressions. Is it a requirement to be a victim of microaggression that you must be a member of a marginalized group? Hmm. So... Uh, Adams, who is the um, dean here, says, no, no, that's not a requirement. So microaggressions can be committed against me, a, uh, your your average white male. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. Running amok, causing everybody problems. Bhattacharya's uh, suggesting. I mean, and, and to be honest, the white, white males have <laughs> caused plenty of problems. Indeed, but that's <laughs> only if we separate them um, into these uh, groups that, yeah. that uh, you know, Folks that make a living talking about microaggressions love to, <laughs> to put people into groups. You know, like nobody wants to put me into the convicted felon group, the most marginalized, most discriminated against group around. No, no, I'm just a white male because I look that way. But it's it's like kids seeing cars. There's a red car. There's a you blue look car. that way <laughs> you, like you not you don't identify as a nope. white male. Nope. I'm transparent. You can see right through me. All right. See? All right. Just because I said it. All right. It's true. All right. Bhattacharya suggested that it's uh, that this was contradictory since a slide in her presentation had defined microaggressions as negative interactions with members of, a, of marginalized groups. So it's not true, but it's true because, well, reasons. Hmm. Be inconvenient to uh, try to have that uh, conversation. Adams and Bhattacharya then clashed for a few minutes about how to define the term. It was a polite disagreement. Adams generally maintained that microaggression theory was broad and an important topic that the slights caused real harm. Bhattacharya expressed a scientific skepticism that microaggression could be distinguished from an unintentionally rude statement. His doubts were well-founded given the microaggression theory is not a particularly rigorous concept. Well, I think it's important to just acknowledge how our language as humans, and especially as Americans, might hurt other people. I think that um, it's always good to learn how to be uh, more inclusive in your terminology. A better human. Like, you don't want to... I I err on the side of, I assume most people are good people and they don't want to hurt other people. And so I also think that it's important to accept if someone is saying you hurt me to try to alter your course. I I agreed. 
However, there are people out there that um, appear to act like professional victims with the goal of... Um, what do you mean professional victims? They're just constantly being victimized. All you have to do is open your mouth. Um, I mean, what do you mean constantly? What, what, well, who I, are you talking about? I'm talking about people. There are different people out there that are mad that somebody says this thing or that thing. So, for instance, my dad used to call black people colored. That at the time was at the time was getting not a little outdated, but not inappropriate though. But at the time, I now it's it. inappropriate. Well, I didn't do it. I just called black people black people at the time. That was a completely acceptable. But now you have to call them, um, you know, Americans of sub-Saharan African and descent. I don't. I don't think you do. They don't, but you do. And you know, you <laughs> because and I. There's always this rushing down towards more syllables. Is what I'm trying to say. I'm. I'm not in agreement. Okay. I guess. Well, and you and I chatted because, um, you know, I'm from Texas, so um, I know a lot of black folks. And I, I like that terminology. That, it's fast. Black, one syllable. And it's you're not done. it's not offensive either <laughs> not to, me. to anybody that I've ever talked to. And I like I grew up in a neighborhood where I was the only white family in the whole neighborhood. Uh-huh. OK, there was me. It was one uh, Latino family and everybody else was black. Mm-hmm. And. They never found that offensive, um, it, it, and I've never used it offensively. So, sure. but the thing is, is that now that everybody's on, that now that we have uh, you know recordings of people saying things. Somebody can be upset with somebody else saying some terminology. I'd be upset. That's that's the thing is, is that you know the microaggressions begin to set in, and then you know we've got a whole we get this poor upset person. Yeah, well, but know. but microaggressions are actually real. They're kind of like what I consider to be like passive-aggressive stuff. I think that a microaggression is real if you say it's real, but it's not necessarily real to the other person. And that's the problem, is is getting these things defined and, you know, laid out there. And uh, it's going to take a long time. And how many people do we have to kick out of school over it? The number, 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. What do you think? I want to hear your opinion. Free Talk Live. bunch of different stuff and folks call in and discuss it I want to tell you about liberty.menu for years libertarians of all stripes have wanted a directory of liberty-minded businesses and we're helping to build one it's liberty.menu liberty.menu is a tool for our community at its core it's a directory for events businesses digital content and more listings can be rated and reviewed there's a bit of a social network aspect so you can connect and share with others use of liberty.menu is exclusively for individuals who reject the initiation of force and for those who agree to abide by the ethics of the non-aggression principle don't know what it is don't worry you'll have the opportunity to find out right there you can put your lib- voluntarist ideas in action at liberty.menu use code ftl get a special badge free advertising for your business it's liberty.menu well let's go right to the phones i believe we've got uh actually funny thing we got jack and jill on the line 
<laughs> Let's go to Jack since he called in first. Uh, I, I Jack, questions for you. What's on your mind, Jack? Yeah. What is the definition, in your opinion, of a microaggression? Clamoring. What is the definition, in your opinion, of a microaggression? <clears throat> so it's something that you would say to someone. Typically, say. Um, it could be physical also, but usually say that indicates to that person that you don't agree with them somehow. Okay, can I add to this? So, do you know we have obesity issues in the United States, right? Yes. So, if you go into any Minute Mart grocery store, you see Reese's Pieces and chips and all those things. Is that not a microaggression in some way? Well, you're... Existing I mean, chips? There's a lot to unpack in your question. Um, my first thought is that everybody can eat whatever they want. Um, my second shouldn't thought is... should people be able to say whatever they want then? What? If people can eat what shouldn't they want, people they can be say able to have the First Amendment? It's... it's I, I don't disagree somebody? with you. Well, I'm just saying that there's a lot of micro-expressions. You micro if you want to. You know, you go back into parents taught you. Micro and ultra-micro. Not, my not, dad was a racist. But not everybody I mean, has great parents, okay? And so we need to support people who don't have great parents, for one. Not everybody says stuff that it's an aggression that they realize they're saying. They don't mean it that way. They're just taught that way. It's a it's a vicious circle, if you will. It is definitely. I agree with you. All right, well, you're awesome, man. I appreciate you, and I I went from a strong conservative to a pretty much a libertarian thanks to this show every Saturday. Glad to talk o'clock. to you. Thanks, Jack. Appreciate it. So let me ask you this: I can uh, tell you from a this was an interaction I had more than 10 years ago, but it always sticks out in my mind because it was, it amused me. Um, a gal said, uh, you know, she was taking feminist studies at the local college uh, just over here a few blocks. I'm a feminist. I'm yeah. just going to say right now. Fine. Because I know. <laughs> and <that's> gonna... <laughs> uh, what she, you know, I, you know, basically I said something to the effect of, you know, if you like being a woman, great. If I like being a man, it's wonderful. But if it's all about, you know, like, uh, you know, one side and the other and fights and things like that, and somehow I got, got around to paychecks. This It's about paychecks. Men, mm-hmm. Women aren't making as much money as men and paychecks and stuff. I'm not sure that's true. Yeah, but... I know. There's, it, it's, it's, it's old stuff. But this was before it was roundly okay. disproven. Um, and I said, well, maybe it's because they're subject to an illness that can last for up to 18 years at a go yeah that causes them to miss work more (laughs) regularly um you know not concentrate on work as much when they're there you know a whole bunch of things you know i've got a little one in the house right now so i mean yours is super special though (laughs) and um Boy, did she not like the sound of that! I, I I take offense at you calling pregnancy an illness. Like it's not just pregnancy; it's all having a kid the whole time. But it's not an illness; it's a natural. Thing so is illness that happens. Right. I just used the term illness to describe it because I thought it would be fun to uh, you know wind her up a little bit. Oh, okay. And I guess that's a microaggression, okay, right? Fine. <laughs> uh, I yeah, I, I think that was more of a trolling. But I mean, rather than a microaggression, the, the difference between. Uh, 
a disease and what life, right? Like mm-hmm. it is a terminal mm-hmm. illness um, is, you know, vanishingly difficult to say, um, you know, and a kid and a parasite. What's the difference? You know, <laughs> so, um, yeah, she just didn't like that. I can tell you. And that was definitely the um, at the very beginning of what microaggressions were. And she she was uh, very frustrated by the conversation. So there yeah. you go. Microaggressions are really kind of complicated and they're very um personal. Um so it, it just kind of depends on your set and setting. It also says here um I looked it up well, you know, Jack asked the definition said a statement, action or incident regarded as an um instance of indirect, subtle or unintentional discrimination against members of a marginalized group such as a racial or ethnic minority. So there you go. You had to put the marginalized group in there in order for microaggressions to be accepted. I mean, they exist. They exist. Like it's pretty much, again, it's just like passive aggressive baloney. Um, we'll get back uh, to, to another person to the story here and uh, from reason but uh, let's go ahead and talk to Jill calling in from looks like Virginia. Jill, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, Jill. Oh, hello. Yes, as to what what to call uh, black people, when I was a child, my parents were from, I was raised in Virginia, but my parents were from Iowa and Minnesota, and they didn't agree with the kind of prejudice that existed in the South. I was born in 51, by the way. Okay, a lot of people used the N-word. I was taught not to do that. Negroes was was a respectful term. And that's that's what I call black people. But uh, some sometimes they called themselves colored people. And sometimes I noticed that among, it seemed to me that among the more genteel whites who didn't want to be so crass as to use the N-word, but didn't want to be quite respectful enough to say Negro or ducking the issue and saying colored people, you see. And it seemed kind of silly to me. Still, I continued to use the word Negro until about 1970 or 71, and I found that they preferred to be called black. Okay, so I call them black people. Now, I haven't started to use the term African American that much because it's got too many syllables and takes too long to say. As far as I know, they still prefer to be called black people, so that's what I call Call black Americans. The other thing about uh, the term, thank you for the call, Jill. Uh, the term uh, African American is, is it's a presumption about where somebody's from. Yeah, you don't know where somebody's from. They might not be from Af- Africa. <laughs> I think that the polite thing to do is to ask people how they want to be identified or called out or whatever. Like, and also, like, why are we even talking about race? Like, there aren't that many cases situations where your race is important i tend to think not i i tend to think that uh, race is probably the most boring thing about a given individual and i would prefer to discuss all kinds of other things so just going back to the crypto six like i didn't see a single article where everybody uh, where media was like oh a bunch of white people got arrested you know they didn't do that um but they certainly it doesn't there doesn't seem to be a lot of articles focusing on the fact that uh, uh, that Aria is a trans woman. 
Um, you know, they don't yeah. spend any time talking about Colleen being a grandma. <laughs> you know, there um, were plenty of articles about Arya when she was running for sheriff. Yeah, yeah, Arya certainly um, got managed to get a lot of uh, press when she was running for sheriff. That's for sure. But not now, and and maybe she needs it. But we can all just go back to the Crypto Six website. TheCrypto6.com if you want to check, find out more. So um, going on with the story here about the student that got kicked out of University of Virginia Medical School over just not liking the term microaggression as it was purported by the assistant dean. But Nora Kern, an assistant professor who helped to organize the event where the dean spoke, thought that Batakara's question was a bit too pointed. Immediately following the panel, she filled a professional concern card a kind of record of a student's violations of university policy. This student asked a series of questions that were quite antagonistic toward the panel, wrote Kern. So there you go. Dun, dun, dun. It begins to close in on the student for having an opinion at a university where he's paying for tuition. Oh, no. God 603-283-6160. I thought you were supposed to have opinions in the university and learn things. Looking for a great real estate investment? Consider New Hampshire, which is ground zero for the Liberty Movement. Your first call should be to Mark Warden from Porcupine Real Estate. He's more than just a real estate agent. He's your New Hampshire concierge. Where are the best places to live? Do you want farm, city, the burbs, or forest? Do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage? There are homes in all price ranges in New Hampshire, and Mark can help with financing, too. Invest in Liberty and property. Mark Warden can help. PorcupineRealEstate.com Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. It's Mark with you. And Clamoring. Sitting in clamoring, kicking off the third hour here on Free Talk Live. The number is 603-283-6160. You can call in and talk about whatever's on your mind because that's what we do here on Free Talk Live. We try to make it easy for you. 603-283-6160. And people like Matt Peralt uh, support Free Talk Live by going to amp.freetalklive.com and supporting the show. So just go to amp, amp.freetalklive.com. Dot com and if you like that we allow for freedom of speech freedom of expression freedom on the airwaves well go support us at amp.freetalklive.com we're talking about a story here for out of University of Virginia's medical school where the assistant dean was on a panel where they were talking about microaggressions cuz you know very important we talk to the me- the doctors of the world about microaggressions and um, one of the students, his name is Bhaktachara, um, which sounds like he might be a member of maybe a ethnic minority. Just me guessing here. And um, he got into it with the uh, the dean, the assistant dean gal. And uh, then Nora Kern, an assistant professor who helped organize the event, thought that Bhaktachara's questions were just too pointed. And immediately following the panel, she filled out a professional concern card, a kind of re- record of a student's violations of university policy. This student asked a series of questions that were quite antagonistic towards the panel, wrote Kern. He pressed on and stated one faculty member was being contradictory 
His level of frustration, anger, seemed to escalate until another faculty member diffused the situation by calling on another student for questions. I'm shocked that a medical student would show such little respect towards faculty members. It worries me how he will do on wards, which I presume has to do with uh, checking on patients and stuff. Mm-hmm. According to, uh, but I've, and by the way, I've met lots of doctors that are a-holes. You know, so <laughs> um, according to it's, it's almost a, in certain branches of medicine, it's it's almost a requirement. I have a few close friends who are doctors and nurses and in the medical profession and who would not say things like that. Perhaps not. Well, the things was, they're humans. Turns out we should yeah. treat them as individuals. According to Bhattacharya's lawsuit, the concern card generated interest from an assistant dean in the medical school who emailed him and offered to meet. The assistant dean assured him that I simply want to help you understand and be able to cope with unintended consequences of conversations. Bhattacharya responded with that contra- contrary to anyone's assertions, he had not lost his temper or become frustrated with the panel. Your observed discomfort of me from uh, wherever you sat was not at all how I felt. I was quite happy that the panel gave me so much time to engage with them about the semantics regarding the comparison of microaggression and barbs, and I have no problems with anyone on the panel. I simply wanted to give them some basic challenges regarding the topic, and I understand that there is a wide range of acceptable interpretations on this, and I would be happy to meet with you at your convenience to discuss this further. Sounds like somebody who's prepared to talk about microaggressions. Then a dean of students' affairs asked to meet as well. Meanwhile, the Academic Standards and Achievement Committee uh, met to discuss the concern card. This committee, they they write a little card and then everybody's got to meet. (laughs) The what? (laughs) This committee voted to send Bhattacharya a written reminder to show mutual respect to faculty members and express yourself appropriately. The committee also suggested that he get counseling. Um. In November 26, this uh, suggestion became, this is like 2018, by the way, it's been a long time. This suggestion became a mandate. The student was informed that he must be evaluated by psychological services before returning to classes. Well, I think you know how I feel about that. Mandates. Yeah. <laughs> Bhattacharya repeatedly asked university officials to clarify what exactly he was accused of and under whose authority his counseling has been Uh, mandated, and why his enrollment status was suddenly in doubt, according to the lawsuit. These queries only appear to have made UVA officials more determined to punish him. (laughs) Bhattacharya's mounting frustration with these baseless accusations of unspecified wrongdoing was essentially treated as evidence that he was guilty. At his hearing, he was accused of being extremely defensive in order to change his aggressive and threatening behavior. Aggressive and threatening. So... This is one of the ways that the language gets used and abused. Terms like aggressive. Aggressive kind of means you're coming at somebody in a way that you're going to hurt them. Threatening means... You would think. You're threatening them. (laughs) You would think. Yeah. But um, they just mean whatever they want to people who use this kind of terminology. He was ultimately suspended for aggressive and inappropriate interactions in multiple situations. On December 30, the UVA police ordered him to leave campus... UVA's administration engaged in behavior that can be described as gaslighting. Administrators asserted that Bhattacharya had behaved aggressively when he hadn't, then cited his increasing confusion, frustration, and hostility towards the disciplinary process as evidence that he was 
aggressive. And all this is because Bhattacharya asked an entirely fair question about microaggressions, a fraught subject. His, and that's the thing is, is that when you don't want to have a conversation about the topic at hand, you start attacking the person. We call that an ad hominem attack. Uh, can we just agree that it's okay to say no thank you? Well, that's uh, probably the way to do it. I mean, oh, if you reasonable, right? Sound reasonable that he could just say no thanks. I don't want to, don't want to go get counseled right now. His lawsuit contends that the no U- thank you. You don't have authority <laughs> over me. No thank you. The lawsuit contends that UVA violated his First Amendment rights by retaliating against him for speaking his mind. UVA fi- filed a motion to dismiss the case, but a district court judge ruled that the case should proceed. Bhattacharya sufficiently alleges that the defendants retaliated against him, wrote the court. Indeed, they issued a professional concern card against him, suspended him from the UVA medical school, required him to undergo counseling and obtain medical clearance as a prerequisite. Wait, but, but, well, I don't even understand what a medical professional concern card is. Well, um, this is the... <laughs> I, I, what does that mean? In university... We live in a. They live in a different world, and in oh, that okay. world, he has spit upon one of the new shiny apples. Oh, the new gotcha, shiny apple is, gotcha. um, you know, these uh, these microaggressions, and he has said, "Nah, I'm not sure that microaggressions even exist." Can you make a good case? And they couldn't, so they wrote a card that said, "He has said bad things that we don't like," and hmm. then uh, the card does what the card does in one of these liberal things. But where, what is, what what is the card like? I, I don't understand. It's an accusation. Okay. It's a disciplinary it's an accusation. report. All right. Yeah. I understand. That's an accusation. Yep. So, um, and it, it prevented him from appealing his suspension or applying for readmission. It is vital that UVA lose this case and lose badly. Students may have the right to question adm- administrators about poorly formed concepts from social psychology without fearing that they'll be branded as threats to public order. That's the difference between public university and an asylum. And, uh, yeah, I mean, frankly, in an asylum... They, it's a fine line. They, they wouldn't have that kind of... It's a talk. fine line. <laughs> it does seem a little crazy. Well, I can only imagine what it, it feels very Kafka-esque to just sort of mm-hmm. be sitting there listening to the accusations mm-hmm. roll by on, you know, and... Well, I've got to get counseling. What about the other people? Do they have to get counseling too? Just w, <laughs> WTF. Yeah, right. <laughs> just keeps happening. And this is what it's like over and over again. This is just the kind of case where somebody can win. But how many of these are marginal cases that are going through um, universities and where people just don't feel like fighting about it? It's like, I can get a college education anywhere. I don't have to deal with this instead of it being. Yeah, a, I can just pay for one outright yeah. without having to doing any studies. But this is a. Uh, well, this is a medical degree, so you know they're going to oh, try okay. a little harder. And, well, there's licensing involved there. Yep, indeed, and uh, and there and there should be. It just shouldn't be regulated by the state, in my opinion. Sure, I mean it's it's a union. Unions have existed. Trade unions have existed for a long time, but uh, you know to hold people's license and um, you know in in jeopardy because they might not have agreed with somebody's politics. That gets a little dangerous. The number is 603-283-6160, 603-283-6160, Free Talk Live.
live. Call in, talk about whatever's on your mind. Mark with you. And clamoring. Here live on a Saturday night, you can call in and talk about whatever's on your mind. We've talked about, well, Biden doesn't seem to consider the Second Amendment to be absolute. And gun parts, gun parts, gun parts. You know, one thing I I don't think I've ever read a story where one of these 80 percent lowers or these ghost guns or whatever has been used in a crime. (laughs) I haven't either. I mean, it surely it's going to happen at some point. Right. I mean, if there's enough if there's enough 80 percent lowers out there, at some point there will be a crime uh, committed with these things. But um, like but if you have that much intent, then. Like what what law is going to prevent you from committing a crime? The uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting was is that uh, concealed carry permit holders are one tenth as likely to commit a felony as a cop, which and who are by the way one hundredth of as less likely to to uh, commit a felony as a regular person. And, and correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong because I'm still new. new I'm still new to New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no concealed carry laws there, here. There is a concealed carry permit, and you can get it to carry your gun outside of New Hampshire. But inside oh. of New Hampshire, you could go and buy a gun, and um, you know it's yours, and that's just it. We call it concealed. We call it uh, constitutional carry. Constitutional. Got it. Yeah. Now, um, I'm not, a, you know, 100 percent uh, sure on all this stuff. Anyway, the New Hampshire law enforcement isn't going to protect my right to carry. Because Are you saying you're not a lawyer? I am not a lawyer and I am a convicted <laughs> felon. <laughs> public schools, um, according to Reason magazine here, public schools are the best advertisement for homeschooling. Abusive teachers unions, floundering bureaucrats uh, make do it yourself education pretty attractive by J.D. Uh, Tuchelli here, and uh, since we homeschooled in my house for a very long time, we now send my son to a Montessori school. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he wanted to, you know, he got a little older. He wanted to hang out with kids a bit more, and we're very happy with the time we we did homeschooling. I like to talk about it here and there, and I think that now's a really good time, considering how many parents um, kindergarten. Enrollment is much lower this go around than it has been year upon year. And it's so hard right now, like as a mother of a five year old, um, and my child is in Awana Story Schools mm-hmm. as well. Um, but like you can't even get a babysitter right now. Oh, really? Uh, which is totally weird to me because <laughs> it seems like the market is completely open, but. Nobody's answering the call, but everybody is so taxed right now, too, yeah. like emotionally taxed. Indeed. Yeah, things are changed. Things are tough for families right now. Homeschooling was supposed to be a temporary pandemic era um, expedient, and many students will undoubtedly return to traditional classrooms once COVID-19 is a memory. But growing familiarity with do-it-yourself education the continuing slow-motion disaster engulfing government-run schools and long-term changes on the way we live and work are likely to permanently transform learning. Homeschooling in all its uh, myriad forms is here to stay. And one of the things that I think is um, interesting is everybody wants free college. All the kids want free college. 
Pre-college has been available for 20 years. MIT's had its curriculum online and available for 20 years. I fully, <clears throat> fully support free education. So my background um, was, so I have a mostly of aviation background. Okay. And I educated myself for free uh-huh. on the internet um, to become a network engineer. <laughs> so I ended up going from 20K or something to roughly 100K. Like Just by doing your own education? I did this my is- own education. And when they talk about free education, the only way you're going to get a free education is if you're the teacher. You know, and you can decide that you're going to teach yourself and all the information's out there and available. And I've been trying to teach my daughter that, too. Like, whatever you want to do is available online. (laughs) It's all out there. Part of the issue is, is that uh, public school bureaucrats and teachers unions seem dedicated to testing uh, families' patience. At the beginning of the school year, we had a good amount of folks calling, but it hasn't really let up at all. Spencer Manson of North Carolina's Home Education recently told the North State Journal, now it's people who are frustrated with the way that public schools have been going. Across the country, public schools struggle with their pandemic responses. Teachers unions battle school officials and have even gone on strikes and sick outs to prevent in-person education. Well, and there should be opinions about that because I'm I'm still paying taxes that right. are going to those. You're paying I, the same taxes, <laughs> and presumably you would get the same services. But, but I'm the not. services are different. But I'm not. <laughs> yeah, and it's frustrating. Wrestling matches between unions that don't want their members to have to show up for their paychecks and government officials, often under their thumbs, leave many parents uncertain as to when children might return to a classroom. Biden has pledged to reopen most schools for in-person instruction by May, but some experts fear that revised guidance published by this administ- by his administration could make it harder for some schools to do so, even by uh, next fall. Now, don't forget, Biden said that uh, you, you should give you should social distance, except in school when social distance cut in half. Wait, but three feet now? It's three feet I, now I, in school. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. <laughs> and how old are his kids? It, well, his kids <laughs> old enough to uh, smoke crack. <laughs> <laughs> In some places, school authorities face strong opposition. From, by the way, when their kids smoke crack, it's a family crisis. When your kids smoke crack, everybody's going to prison. How How about this? We don't care about other people's kids smoking crack. <laughs> In some places, school I mean, I do care about kids smoking crack. Okay, let me just rephrase that. They I don't sh- think kids should be smoking crack. They but- <laughs> should, but throwing them in prison doesn't help. Yes. <laughs> In some places, school authorities face strong opposition from powerful teachers' unions, the report added. Disruption of the public school could have been tolerated if they'd uh, adapted to the new environment and offered good quality remote education through online platforms. So it's, define good quality remote education, please. They do have um, schools that are, you know, online and have done it for some time and they're, you know, better and worse at it. But it's not good for every cool kid. I mean, that's. Oh, they're almost like 
humans. Yes, they all require different kinds of education. And this is the thing that I've said on the air for a long time. And this is why I like homeschooling is you can a parent can offer so many different types of education. Definitely. Yeah. If you probably have more than one parent in the house. Yep. Yeah. And and it, yeah, indeed it gets much harder when there's uh, not. But um, anyway, yeah, through uh, quality remote education through online platforms, it's certainly possible many charter schools and private educators mastered this approach years ago, but it wasn't the case as government schools fumbled teaching students or even making sure they'd show up for lessons. And that's the truth is, is that you know, I mean, a lot of kids are just sitting there in front of monitors t- falling asleep. 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Welcome to another adventure of Jonathan Gullible. I'm Ryan. And I'm Ron. As you may recall, we last left Jonathan Gullible on a remote Pacific island after his boat was blown far off course by a terrific storm. Eager to learn about the inhabitants of this island, Jonathan wandered toward a town and noticed a well-dressed man kneeling in the street, trying painfully to shuffle along on his knees. Jonathan offered a helping hand, but the man brushed him aside, saying, No, thank you. I can walk okay. Using knees just takes some getting used to. You're okay? But why don't you get off your knees and walk on your feet? It's a minor adjustment to the tax code. The tax code? What's the tax code have to do with walking? Everything. The tax code has recently been amended to level the field for people of different heights. Level the field? Please stoop over so I don't have to shout. Thank you. You see, the Council of Lords has decided that tall people have too many advantages. Advantages of tallness? Oh, yes, yes. Tall people are always favored in hiring, promotions, sports, entertainment, politics, even romance. So the Lords decided to level us with a stiff tallness tax. So tall people get taxed? We're taxed in direct proportion to our height. Did anyone object? Only those who refused to get on their knees. So you walk on your knees just for a tax break? Sure. Our whole lives are shaped to fit the tax code. There are even some who have started to crawl. That must hurt. Yeah, but it hurts more not to. Oh, oh. Only fools stand erect and pay the higher taxes. So if you want to act smart, get on your knees. It'll cost you plenty to stand tall. So ends another bizarre episode in the life of Jonathan Gullible. Build freedom with laughter. Join the community. Access free media clips and more. Or get your free PDF copy of the book. Go to jonathangullible.com now. jonathangullible.com Talk about whatever's on your mind. That's what we do here on Free Talk Live. Mark with you. And Clifford. 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. Got a story we're going through here with uh, from Reason Magazine about uh, homeschooling on the rise in the United States. Everyone talks about Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin, buy Bitcoin. Well... It's getting kind of boring. How about earning some Bitcoin? Getting paid with it. That's the way. If you want to earn Bitcoin at your business, AnyPayX.com is the way to do it. Your customers will love it, and everyone in town will be talking about how your store is the Bitcoin store. And it's just fun. Get the free app and start earning Bitcoin at your business. AnyPayX.com. That's AnyPayX.com. 
We have a new bit of vending machine in the North Country. North Country is uh, the northern part of uh, New, New Hampshire. Hampshire. Yep. Yep. Um, and uh, what? So it's a vending machine to what, like a local gas station or something? Uh, yes. Yep. It's at the local vending machine uh, gas station. Um, but yeah, you just you go there buy. and you can buy some Bitcoin yep. from a vending machine. Absolutely. It's, it's cool. Or other cryptocurrencies. Let's go on with this article about homeschool growing here from uh, Reason Magazine. I think it's uh, fascinating stuff. The cumulative learning loss could be substantial, especially in mathematics, uh, with students on average likely to lose five to nine months of learning by the end of the school year, concluded a December 2020 report by McKinsey and Company. Education bureaucrats compounded the problem by apparently deciding that a health crisis was a great time to jettison anything that might attract parents and students to their institutions. Boston Public Schools, for example, suspended enrollment in gifted programs in part uh, because participants didn't precisely reflect the demographic makeup of the city's population. There's been a lot of inequities that have been brought to the light of the pandemic that we have to address. This is one of the things that, um, you know, one of the reasons I wouldn't put my kid anywhere near a government school is is because, you know, that people are all worried about kids' ethnicity and that sort of thing. My kid can't control that. Well, but you have to understand that not everyone has the ability to choose. Meaning? Meaning, Send their kids to school? Yeah. Sure. Some people have to choose to put their kids in public school. Indeed. They, they, they choose to do that, and it is not easy. It's the reason I wouldn't, though, <laughs> is because... Uh, I, I'm in agreement, but <laughs> you know what? I'm a single mom, so... Yep. I, and you put, uh, you know, most of the most of the money you're earning is going towards keeping your kid in yep, private ed- education. Yep. Yeah. All, all, like, almost all of my money is going to private school, but... Um, that's not an option for everyone, and I just want to acknowledge that. I I agree that it's not an option for everyone, but my mom was a single mom who put her, her kid through uh, private school, too, mm. and made a lot of sacrifices to mm. do it. And um, I want to acknowledge – while acknowledging that people have to make tough to- choices, um, I'd like to acknowledge that people make tough choices mm-hmm. and that it can – and the results can be well worth it. So anyway, Superintendent uh, Brenda Casilius told, yep, that's the name, Casilius, told uh, WGBH in the decision, there's a lot of work we have to do in the district to be anti-racist and have policies where all of our students have a fair shot at an equitable and excellent education. So they got rid of gifted programs so that everybody would have an equitable and excellent education. Illinois, for its part, just mandated that teacher training programs adopt instruction on ideologically charged concepts, including implicit bias, historical inequities, and systems of oppression. And this is only going to drive more people out of the government school system as they feel like this, this isn't what I'm sending my kids to school for. Critics are rightly concerned that the overall uh, overhaul embeds politics into teachers' training, uh, the Chicago Tribune editorialized in mid-February. These fiascos can only encourage in the ongoing exodus from government schools to the competition. In the fall, NPR found enrollment declines in dozens of school districts across 20 states. I used to be a NPR donor. I find it completely unlistenable now. Let's go to the phones. We've got David calling in from New Mexico. 
David, you're on Free Talk Live. Yeah, happy uh, Parental Alienation Day coming up April 25th What's worldwide. What's it mean? What? You don't know all about it? You don't know all about parental alienation? Parental I wonder alienation. if maybe that's why they I wonder if maybe that's why they created Parental Alienation Awareness Day. I wonder. I wonder. What yeah, you so you go got ahead. Google. You got Google, right? So right now you're typing in Parental Alienation Awareness. And at the top of your screen, you will see April 25th, 2021, worldwide. And, and uh, that's to make you aware that uh, that of parental alienation, with, which when you Google it, you will see that's when one parent gets the other parent in a headlock when they split up. Uh-huh. And then kicks them a few times, and then never lets them see their children ever again, or varying shades of that same scenario. Okay. And so, uh, would you imagine that? Well, first of all, you have, I, I heard you say you have a. Uh, I heard your uh, co-host there talk about a child. So, you know, she and you also have a child, Mark. So, imagine if that child that you said goodbye to earlier today, or whenever it was. When you went home expecting to see them, you, they were never there, and you never saw them again. How would you feel? Sad. Bad, so yeah. Me, Bad, understand. If, if I can interject. It's you can. Ne- it's never okay to pull um, uh, an adult figure from a child's life that the child feels is important. Well, then why do they do it? Well, who knows yeah, why anyone does it? <laughs> I can't answer that. Because <laughs> people are people are mean sometimes. <laughs> it's, it's baloney. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, in, people... in Clamoring's uh, defense here, I happen to know a bit of, uh, about her situation. And um, her daughter recognizes a man as her father that is not her biological father. Does that sound about right? the right way to say yes, it? Yes, okay. totally. Yeah. And... Um, you know that you're now dealing with separating I, with that guy. I'm trying to support <laughs> her relationship with him, right? And even though she, uh, you know, it's it, biologically he's you know not her father, but uh, you know he. But that's rights what, are kind of uh, out on the side here. It's just what you're you know trying what, to work out. But what she is telling me that she wants, I'm trying to respect. Yep, indeed, and I think that's what you're good, talking good. about here, and, David. And say again. I think that's what you're here talking about. I think that's what you're. Yeah, uh, that's a part. That's a that's a part of it. Yeah, that's like not not uh, ripping attachments apart. If there are attachments there, you shouldn't be destroying them. And it's it's done every day. It's done, uh, you know, in a yeah, in, they're, uh, almost. Um, they're, ki- they're kids. They're kids. Yep. Like we have to protect them. All right. So and protecting them means that we have to cherish. What they want and what they've learned, you know. I mean, you've spent their whole life, you, uh, your whole life, teaching them one thing, and then suddenly, I don't feel like teaching you that anymore. It doesn't work. I mean, that's a that's a sad thing to do to a kid. So pr- protect them. Does that does that mean like like not using them as a weapon? Of course uh, it does. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Right. That's right. crazy. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. So well, uh, what's yeah. The, uh, so anyway, look up parental alienation here. I think that people yeah, probably parental should alienation, do. and if you add awareness to that, then you'll get the uh, exact holiday that is a commemorative day that's being created 
worldwide. It's not just in the United States. And 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 there are, if you, if you were to bother to uh, trace the links in that parental alienation, what comes up there, you would discover that there are literally tens of thousands of people in the United States, uh, if not more, uh, meaning hundreds of thousands, that are affected by this directly in the U.S. I'm sure. And the problem is, is yeah. And, I, I and just that want goes- to thank you so much for your call. I love to hear from dads, and I want to hear your opinions. So thank you. Yep. 603-283-6160. Thank you for the call, David. 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live. That's 603-283-6160. Mark with you. And Clamoring. Thanks for sitting in with me, Clamoring. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. First time on the air here on Free Talk Live. And uh, we hope to have you back someday. So, um, we have been reading this article from uh, Reason Magazine about um, the homeschooling enrollment going up and these sorts of things. But David called in about uh, Parental Alienation Awareness Day coming up in the relatively near future, and it has uh, sparked another call. So let's go to the calls. And before we do that, Bitcoin.com is your best source for learning about cryptocurrency. You can go there now and click on Get Started at the top of the page. Once you do that, you'll find... All sorts of valuable information, neatly organized to suit your needs. There's no longer an excuse for ignoring this important world-changing information. All you have to do is give 10 minutes at Get Started at Bitcoin.com, and you're going to be a much more knowledgeable crypto user. And if you are a knowledgeable crypto user, you can go to news.bitcoin.com and get the latest headlines of all the news that's relevant to you. Bitcoin.com is your source for everything that's crypto, like getting a wallet, mining, trading, and all the latest cryptocurrency news, all on a slick and easy-to-use website, Bitcoin.com. And if you have any questions, just drop us a line. That's right. It's true. We uh, we do answer and crypto questions right here on there. Very, the very receptive. Let's go to Bradley calling in from Michigan. Bradley, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, I just wanted to call in. Uh, Dave was talking about Parental Alienation Day, and yes. it just so happened that I'm one of the victims of parental alienation. What happened? Well, I spent some time in prison. Okay. Uh, and while I was in prison, uh, I had regular contact with my daughter. And sometime, you know, during my uh, sentence, my wife decided to leave me for somebody else. That does and, happen in prison often. You know, What's that? That often happens in prison. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, I, I maintained regular contact with my daughter. And even after my wife left me, we decided to, uh, you know, stay on friendly terms and co-parent and, you know, try to do what's best for her daughter. And my uh, now ex-wife uh, repeatedly promised me that she would never stop me from seeing my daughter because uh her own mom uh did that to her to where she couldn't see her dad for a long time so she knew how it felt 
Your and daughter needs her daddy. Okay? Flat yeah. out. Your yeah. daughter needs her daddy. How old is your daughter? Uh, she's only like three years old, four years old uh, now. So but, what changed? Uh, what's that? What changed? Well, and that, see, that's the thing. Uh, the biggest problem with uh, this type of system is like, if I can't communicate with her, then I can't really know what changed because it was just abrupt. It just happened. So I think it's her boyfriend. I don't know. Okay. Uh, but right before I uh, was released from incarceration, uh, she filed a restraining order on me. Mm. And uh, she filed an ex parte, which means uh, basically I didn't need to be part of the hearing. Uh, and there is no evidence needed. She just uh, made some claims that and, and she needed the restraining order. Is kind of a weird legal um, hoop um, where you don't get a say. Yeah. Right. So basically, she didn't need any evidence or anything like that. She just had to make some allegations. Yeah. So that cut off all That's contact how, if I were to try exactly to contact her. That is exactly how ex parte's work. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, so, it's BS, but and I'm I'm really sorry that happened. How do they handle a situation where is I mean it's one thing your your ex-wife doesn't need to um you know talk to you if she doesn't feel like it, but if there's a child involved, how does the court handle that when you know accusations have been made about a father and you know these sorts of things get with, a lot more complicated <laughs> with an ex parte? Right. <laughs> that's that, 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 well, that's the, the part. That, yeah. Well, and, and see, the thing is, I actually already have a court order saying that she's supposed to let me see her, but she's defying the court order, so now it's on me to file a motion to hold her in contempt for it. Great. Now you have to hold the but there's, mother of your child there's in some contempt other, of court. What's that? Now you have to hold the mother of your child in contempt of court. Well, and see, the thing is, I don't even want to do that. Like, right. I really don't. Like, I just, I don't, I, I'm going to college. Uh, I'm stressed out with a lot of projects I have going on. I don't really want to waste my time in court. You know, I shouldn't have to, but uh, she's making me do it. Yep. It's nothing nice about this whole, uh, you know, trying to figure out what ma- what mommy and daddy think about whatever the issue is. <laughs> it sure isn't easy. And, I, and uh, that's not going to be beneficial to my daughter either. No, but... it's not. Thanks for the call, Bradley. I appreciate it. And good luck to you. Yep. Thank you. And these stories go on and on. And on and on and on. And Every on. family's got something, you know, and uh, so that's the way it is. I mean, because no two people parent exactly the same way. There is a call coming in. Let's just go ahead and go to the phone lines here. Okay. Free Talk Live, what's on your mind? Hi, this is Robert. I just wanted to say that, you know, a lot of the problems that we have in this country have already been experienced by other countries. And those other countries would be very happy to explain to us how you do those things. I I lived and worked in Germany for 20 years. I was a technical translator and interpreter over there. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people came from a lot of other countries to see how it's done in Germany. And um, as far away from Australia and Korea, places like that, to see how we do things. And um, these things are all set up. And my father always said, you know, excellence is no accident. And he meant that you can take that both ways. What do you mean by that? 
I mean that, that in Germany, precision, it, uh, excellence is a result of German precision. Uh, when people, Americans go overseas and they take a look around Germany and they say, oh, all the flowers are wonderful and all the grass is cut and there's not a single bit of litter in Dresden, which is where I live, which is the cleanest city in in Saxony, and Saxony is the cleanest province in Germany, and Germany is probably the cleanest country in Europe. And it's no accident, because the, actually the machines that, that that clean the streets are made in a factory that's all actually owned by Perkins Diesel right at the borderline of Dresden. So they manufacture the equipment right at the edge of the city. I mean, you can't get much cleaner than that. I mean, it doesn't even have to be transported from any place. And and the, and the machine, I think, comes around either every day or every other day. I and mean, the guy's always out there cleaning. Why'd you leave, and, Robert? And there's practice. I mean, surely somebody's asking themselves this question right now. If, if it was uh, such a great place and clean and um, wonderful and efficient, why'd you leave? I left here to look after my mom to make sure she stayed alive 16 okay. years ago. Yeah, and, and, and I, I, I kind of got stuck here because after you've been here that long, you have so much collected, so much stuff. Mm-hmm. You, you, you'd need a whole airplane to airlift yourself back to Germany. And that's when, and my passport, I applied for my passport. American passport came in right away, but I don't know what's going on with the German one. I mean, it's been been five months and right. I haven't gotten the passport yet so I called him up on the That's phone so and asked what's going on um, what's, you know? uh, what do you what do you need a German passport to go to Germany for well I, when, I, when I went to the German um, honorary consulate in um, in Charlotte I said to the lady okay she said to me well don't worry, you know, this thing, this is not going to be too fast now because we've got all kinds of things going on. So it's going to take a while. So I didn't even ask her how long. I figured it really doesn't matter if it takes a month or two months or three months. It's no big deal. But it's, uh, but anyhow, I, I, so I, I was kind of prepared for this a little bit. But um, on the other hand, I, I don't know why it's taking so long. I'm sorry, what was your question exactly? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm just kind of wondering if this uh, German efficiency translates to bureaucracy in oh, certain circumstances. Yeah, yeah, there's something... There's something I I think they're probably trying to delay my arrival because they they don't really want foreigners any anybody who's not hasn't been in the country and who doesn't really live there they, they, they I think they're trying to keep them out because they're afraid that I might bring in this a little just one more case of the disease which which I don't have like my I'm, I'm, my mom says I inherited everything from my father's father's side of the family which is from Heidelberg Germany and and they never got viral diseases. All four of the, those children, that would be my grandfather's three siblings and himself, they never got sick. I mean, they, I mean, most people, would, my, my oh. physician called me a liar when, when I told him that. And, and I said, you can check my records. I'll give my records all the way Some back people to do seem to have a certain level of immunity to uh, this, uh, um, this virus. There's no doubt about that. I think they call it T-cell immunity when it probably should be called T-cell resistance or something like that. But, you know, hey, if, uh, if Germany's got uh, something to show us, I'd love to see it. But, uh, uh, well, you know, <laughs> Doesn't sound like they're really interested in letting people in to come take a look right now. I uh, tried to do some traveling this uh, earlier this uh, this year, and I can tell you some countries don't want to let you in, and that can be a little frustrating when you're trying to do some some traveling and see the world and show your kids something on spring break. But anyway, all the best to you, Robert. Uh, no point in giving the telephone number. That's pretty much a wrap for the show. Talk to you tomorrow in uh, 21 short hours. Thanks, Clamorin, for sitting in. Thank you for being here. Yep. And uh, check us out at freetalklive.com in the meantime. And support The Crypto 6 at thecrypto6.com.